Hey, everyone. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Andrew. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, May 11th, 2021. We are still in lockdown, of course, in Ottawa and in Ontario. I think there's news coming today that's going to extend us some more. Rumor has uh, it. What? That's not, I thought you were going to be like, there's news coming today that we're out of it. You're like, no, no, it's no. no. <laughs> Damn it. I think, well, this is all rumor and hearsay, but I think the news today or tomorrow is going to be that extending by two weeks to get us into June, whatever that is, second or third, mm-hmm. which is a little less than I thought. I thought they might just go another month, but we'll see. I, I think the good news is numbers are getting better and everybody's getting their vaccines and all that kind of stuff. So that's all just going to help. I'm booked for mine. Oh, cool. Me too. Yes. Even Andy boy, like everyone, but Josh, <laughs> we're beady. drinking coffee and getting vaccines and Josh is out here with nothing. It's so funny. It seems to be hit and miss because I'm on lists, but then this Thursday, another, what do you call it? Another branch opens up for, it's so confusing to someone like me who's not a real grown up. but there's all different, there's provincial options or I'm signed up at Shoppers Drug Mart and I think tomorrow sign up and go to city hall and get it and yeah so Mm -hmm. that's what i'm waiting for yeah that's where i'm going it'll be weird it's the first time i've been to city hall in years uh not the reason i thought it would be but hey (laughs) it's just good to get it taken care of it'll be good to go back yeah i was starting to get pretty annoyed mainly because it just i mean i don't want to line jump but like i'm going to the office four days a week and there's like three of us there so i'm like you know not to try to jump in front but i'm like should we not be slightly ahead of the people who will never come in from home or like taking the bus every day? I'm just like, am I not risky? Like, am I, should I not be dealt with? Like, not that I want to be, you know, it's, but it's just like in terms of coverage, like it seemed to make sense. And so that's kind of basically what happened. They adjusted it last week. So now people who can't work entirely from home can get the shot. So I finally, my, uh, one of the managers let us know. So I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel where, not that I'm not excited to get one, but I'm not in a grand rush for the immediate future just because I'm like, well, I'm not on the front lines. I don't have an important job. I'm not a real grown up. Hey, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you have the most important job. I'm not taking care of old folks or kids or whatever. So if I have to wait an extra couple of weeks, that's fine by me. But when my mom signed up for hers a few weeks ago now, she got it through City Hall. And she said it couldn't have been easier. She got signed up online. She walked in. She drove over to City Hall, parked in their free parking thing. And I think she said she was back in her car within 10 or 15 minutes. Like she said, it was was crazy fast. It wasn't one of those disasters that you see of a photo of of a three mile long line and people waiting in line for 12 hours. She said it was it was nothing but convenient. So yeah, I think they said don't come earlier than 10 minutes beforehand, basically, which is probably to prevent insane lineups. Yeah, like they got it down. They're like, come in your 10 minute window, whatever you're booked for, and you'll be in and out. So Mm -hmm. yeah, and I actually like my wife and I were able to get the same time for both shots. So It'll at least be easier. And we did it for a Friday as well, considering probably take a couple of days of not great days afterwards, you know, or at least one day. Yeah, it's so interesting because I know I've heard stories of a friend of mine in Toronto got hit hard, but he said it was all fine. And a day later, he was okay, but he got hit with the aftermath of getting a shot, which is the same thing that happens to some people when they get the flu shot or whatever. My mom got hers and nothing. She was totally fine, Mm. not even like a hurt arm. So it's, it's something in the science of, our weird human DNA where some people absolutely nothing happens and they get their shot. And some people it knocks them out for a little bit, but the short and long run is well worth it. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. And it was like, my brother's planning to come up in August. So like he's a teacher in Calgary. So even though Calgary is also messed up, he got his first shot, but they are not even booking for second shots yet. And like ours, it's not, the second one's not until September for me, but at least they figured it out ahead of time. So for him, I was, I don't know. And, and my parents as well. Like, it's just, you know, we we're kind of had crunch time going on. And I'm just like, I don't know if you're going to be staying in the backyard or if I'm going to see you at all on your trip, but we'll see what happens. So it's up to you whether you let them out of the backyard yet. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. There's a spot, you know, there's a little spot we could set a tent up or something for them. You know, that's just as good. Isn't that normal? Pretty much. Well, I don't want them using the patio itself. You know, that's for the cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that wouldn't be fair to them. Yeah, now we're all jealous of our friends down in the States because any of us who were cocky and like, wow, we're doing so much better than them. Now that's flopped. But <laughs> there's reasoning in that their population is way higher. They went through way more hell than we did. Sadly, way more death rate than we have. And they're making all this stuff. So they've, mm -hmm. they've got it right there in their backyard. Yeah, almost, they almost have too much now at this point. That's kind of the fear is like a lot of people aren't showing up for their second dose, which is kind of the important one like the first those you know great no but i mean i think there's some people who are just like oh i got my shot good to go and you're like well you're actually not fully covered till two weeks after the second shot so i mean it's still gonna be a struggle like i mean I, yeah i guess i won't be fully covered till like october you know very like late september whatever but whatever yeah that's the window i want to get in on just because i want to have thanksgiving and christmas at my mom's house really that's that's mm -hmm. really the the bottom line in this for this crazy year and October at Mayfair would also be amazing to have again. Yeah, and I totally think we'll be reopened before that, just with all these limitations in place still. Mm -hmm. And then who knows? Some smart people keep on saying early 2022 for a true not wearing masks when you walk into the store and that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. we have to be, for us as a cinema, we have to be completely out of this to be out of the color-coded systems that puts limitations on us which could always change but that kind of blew my mind when i was looking at that where i was like oh the red orange yellow green zones are all either closed or 50 people so that might change maybe they'll go okay a bunch of us are shot up we can have 50 percent capacity versus 50 people so we got to get out of this before we can get to having 300 people in the mayfair yeah or even 100 would be nice <laughs> And people keep on asking about stuff like the room in Rocky Horror. And you're like, well, Oof. we have to be much better. So we're not throwing COVID cootie spoons at each other. At <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't even like, I mean, not to be that guy, but I, I don't even think it's worth it until like 2022. Oh, for uh, sure. Like, it's just not the same vibe. I mean, I don't know. You know, I know like the cast, they bring it no matter what. But I feel like if there was a hard cap, it's just like everyone's like eggshells at that point. You know, <laughs> like you're like, oh, are we doing too much? Yeah. Yeah, and just that we don't have, we're not a theater with a back room and a green room and dressing halls, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So for all that prep, where it's just usually our absent friends sardined into <laughs> that little behind the scenes, behind the screen space, or kind of in the little path that goes out to the alleyway, or doing <laughs> stuff in and out of the alleyway. So yeah until we get to a spot where we can be more comfortable in having live performances as such and even with i was in touch with one of the guys who does our silent film live band oh nice because he bought one of our trailers he was nice enough to support us oh sweet but i was like yeah like as soon as it's good to go we're good to go like i think they have 
two or three films that they have music ready for that we haven't screened yet. Oh, awesome. So it's not like it's going to take them because that's the big thing people forget is they say, oh, you should do another one. And you're like, yeah, but we're not a band <laughs> yet. <laughs> yet. Yeah, true. Soon. We could have been practicing all this time in lockdown. Oh, man, yeah. that would have been good. I would love to do one with the three of us. Well, I mean, I guess it's not fair because I actually do play instruments somewhat, but I'll pick something that I, I'm not good at. And then you guys pick something you're not good at. And then we'll just, it'll just be the worst thing. Like, it's like a B-movie version of them doing it, basically. <laughs> What's the easiest? Could I do like a two-string bass or something like that? Well, you could do triangle if you really want to like not try. Like, or a just... flute up your nose. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing his best. But yeah, so those guys that we know who have done stuff with us before, that's good to go. But otherwise, it's like really that's an event where it's best where they come to us, mm -hmm. where they say, we're touring, we're doing a tour of Ontario, we're doing a tour of Canada, whatever. That's what's easiest, because for us to organize that from the ground up is just a whole other endeavor that is difficult. But yeah, the guys who have done, I don't know, a couple of movies with us for the past couple of years, I know they have a sci-fi one and a film noir one, so. Well, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, both good. And the sci-fi one looks like, you know, something Mystery Science Theater would make fun of just with like strings holding up model rocket ships kind of stuff. <laughs> but but a silent film, which is kind of neat. So I didn't know there was that genre that far back, but I guess there was a couple. When I think silent film, I think mostly melodrama or slapstick, I guess. Yeah, I usually come back to Metropolis, but I mean, that's kind of like that's me <laughs> yeah it's always that line of any movie of quote-unquote normal movies of <laughs> the nostalgia factor the play it again factor versus playing something new because there always comes a point where maybe people are like ah, i've seen it it's almost like stand-up comedy where i hear like comedians can only come to a town once a year once every mm -hmm. two years because if they do it more than that they've seen all the same stuff so it's, it's the same with movies where with rare exception, with Rocky Horror in the room, everything else, you know, once a year, Army of Darkness once a year, It's a Wonderful Life once a year, that kind of stuff. Playing it more than that is even every two years sometimes for that kind of stuff, just to give it a little bit of a break in between. Yeah. Well, especially, could you imagine playing It's a Wonderful Life at, at like April Fool's Day or something? Like, I mean, it yeah. really only works at, at Christmas, but I'd watch it anytime, personally. <laughs> there was one silent film, I can't remember which one, but we played it again maybe for a second or third time and it wasn't unsuccessful but you could see that there wasn't that excitement like it wasn't 200 people and that's just because the people were probably like oh i've already seen this i'll go see something else this week or whatever <laughs> yeah. so so there's always that danger too of kind of like the old people request a movie and you're like well this is your favorite movie but maybe not everyone's favorite movie <laughs> I can picture Andrew in the background being like, this again? <laughs> I've seen this. Well, someone just asked, and it's so funny. I just, I never thought about this before, but someone on Twitter asked about the Battlestar Galactica movie from like 78 oh, or so. Yeah. And it kind of hit me and I was like, wow, you know, I know we've never played it since 2009. To my recollection, I never remember it on a schedule in my high school years. And I've been digging through the old calendars and posting those every once in a while. And I don't remember it on there. So I think it might just be a movie that's fallen through the cracks because I don't think we've ever played. Wasn't it made for television? It was, but it had a theatrical release. Okay. I'm not sure the order. I think it was a theatrical release that then went on television, possibly even split up into two episodes or something like that. 
but it did have a big screen theatrical release through Universal. And I asked Lee about it, and he thought it might be a good idea. Something fun, the same way of screening something like Flash Gordon. So that's just an example of a retro movie that we've never played before that hasn't had a lot of requests, but I think would be kind of cool. It's got Lauren Green, got some Canadian content in there. That counts. Ottawa's own Lauren Green. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, unlike Star Wars, we could actually probably play it. So <laughs> that'd be nice. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we can't. Like, I remember it was one of those franchises that there was merchandise out there, there was action figures, but it was never the first choice. Like, I was never, <laughs> like, if I was walking through a store, I wouldn't be like, ooh, a Battlestar Galactica. It would be Star Wars. And the fact that some people from Star Wars worked on Battlestar. So you're like, Ah, those Cylons look suspiciously like stormtroopers, and that spaceship looks suspiciously like an X-Wing, and it really does look like a, oh, Star Wars did well, let's do another one. Yeah, but you're not complaining because you're a kid and you love that stuff, so. Yeah, and I for sure have never seen it on the big screen, so I've never even seen many of the old episodes. I was a big fan of the reboot of it, but never seen the old one. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's one of those semi, what we sort of talk about, where you're just sort of like, it was massive, there was a ton of merch. But you never really see any of that merch. You don't really see the figures. You don't really see people talking about the old show that much. You know, it's usually about the reboot. So that is kind of a weird purgatory for that, that series. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that where it's few and far in between. Like even Star Trek was kind of a flop when it came out. So even that, although we remember it and it's, it's had so many spinoffs and everything. But yeah, there's all kinds of things like space 1999 or uh, mm. battle beyond the stars all this stuff that kind of came around star wars and, and, and it makes you realize how hard it is to have a successful movie it's a weird industry where like we just finished watching feud which i can't recommend enough it was oh, so good it was so good but the movie industry and you see it in these two characters where the problem with those type of characters and it's it's a fictionalized account so you can't say that everything in it was absolutely true but those archetypes of the the spoiled rich movie star is you forget is like you're being pampered and you're being thrown money, but your job's not that important. You're not a teacher. You're not a doctor. You're not mm -hmm. working in construction. So you get put on this pedestal and your industry as someone who runs a movie theater, what's the percentage of really good movies? It's almost like baseball, right? Like if you bat, what is it like? 300 in baseball it's pretty good or 200 in baseball yeah 300 is real good 300 is like, real good it, yeah yeah so imagine that like if 30 percent of movies are good and that's probably fair odds yeah well and plus like that's just the stuff we're familiar with like that's what blows my mind if you actually think on a global scale of the amount of movies just it was or songs even like albums whatever like i think of that every so often i'm like good lord there's just millions of albums or movies or whatever that you'll never even hear of probably and imagine that imagine if you were like a pizza place and you were like well 20 to 30 percent of the product that goes out of our door is okay and that's the problem with movies <laughs> that's a good that, slogan yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's true like not even just to uh shout out the mayfair but i think we have a very good track record because a we're one screen and b we try really hard with the programming but most of the stuff is really good. And the stuff that's not is stuff that was critically acclaimed or a lot of interesting filmmakers and maybe it didn't work out. So it's still kind of interesting to see. You know, we have a better track record than, say, a multiplex in 12 months of screening because they just have to play everything. 
But yeah, anyhow, you watch Feud and just like, like you feel so bad for the two main characters and you just want to like sit them down and be like, you're very talented. Just be nice <laughs> to everybody. Just be yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's sad, especially like as it goes along, you try to convince yourself there'll be a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, like, no. I mean, maybe. Except that one that Joan Crawford made right near the end of her career called Torg? Was it Torg? Or, yeah. Trog? Trog. Yeah, I was going to say it's Torg or Trog. I can never remember <laughs> I really want to see Trog now. I really want to see that. I movie. think I have a copy of it, of but I've never, I've never watched it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think we all know what to expect from it. But, yeah, but you, you know, see it and, and it's like the character once again, but like she's signing a book. She wrote a book and people are coming up and not being rude and complimenting her. And she just takes it the wrong way. And you feel so bad. And you have a feeling that our Tom Hanks's aren't going through that or, or even like, like from a female perspective, like a Sigourney Weaver, I don't think is upset of working in television or working in a supporting role. Uh, like, mm. I think she's very comfortable, it seems. But you see these actors who go to the the peak and then it all goes away. And you realize, you're like, oh, that's why actors who have kids do everything to keep their actors from staying out of Hollywood. Because mm -hmm. there's yeah, a, lot of, a lot of good stories, but a lot of horror stories. Yeah, and it's nice to see, like, you know, some people who are a little more settled in it, like Scott Derrickson is kind of getting his kid into the industry, or maybe his kid's getting into the industry through his dad, however you want to put it. But that's a person who's like, you know, he's had his missteps, he's learned a lot from the Hollywood system. And from everything I can tell, it's like exactly the kind of even keel guy you would want to be like, here's what to avoid, here's what not to avoid, you know, because like most people, kids, especially or younger people getting into that industry are just not going to have that kind of ground to start out on kind of thing. And I was so happy. I mean, it's hard to say spoiler about a mini series like this because it's real and happened decades ago. But the director, Robert Aldrich, who worked mm -hmm. on a couple movies portrayed in this miniseries, was just treated so bad and had yeah. such a rough time. And he made a few mistakes along the way. But like you just see how Jack Warner's treating him. And from everything I understand, Jack Warner was a monster. And just being mean and calling him untalented, saying he's not like a real director and all this kind of stuff. And so it's so nice that you see that after he went all through this, a few years later, he directed The Dirty Dozen, one of mm -hmm. the most beloved movies of all time from some people, yeah. you know. He was going to direct Alien. What? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, he, I think he was one of the original choices to do that. Oh, wow. I didn't know that's that. That's crazy. That's an Andrew special right there. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to drop that in. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. So was he there in development and then got replaced? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the whole story i guess you'd have to google it but he was maybe the original director hired and he wanted the alien designed a different way or something like that and then you know eventually of course they got ridley scott well it wouldn't surprise me if he was going for more of a like schlocky horror angle whereas that's obviously not the movie that it was you know yeah 50s sci-fi maybe i don't know yeah because you just don't know how something like that's going to turn out in whoever's hands you know like if you give that like roger corman or something you know like it's it's not gonna it'll be entertaining but it's not gonna be the same the same piece of art yeah because he did the dirty dozen and then a bunch of other stuff in the 60s and then right around i guess the time when alien would have been out he did the frisco kid with harrison ford and gene wilder that's a good movie <laughs> There you go. So at least he's got that. That'd be a good in a double bill with Blazing Saddles. I can see it. It's not as funny as Blazing Saddles, but... <laughs> well, that's a tall order, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. Is, it, is it like a full-blown comedy or kind of like a dramatic comedy? 
Uh, it's it's a comedy. Yeah. But it's a little bit more. It's it's less. You know, like it doesn't have Mel Brooks this humor. It's a little more conventional. I think it's amazing that Harrison Ford would have done that right in between Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it again shows that not everything is a giant giant hit because I don't think people remember that quite the same way. <laughs> no, Andrew does, but yeah, <laughs> not, not the average viewer. <laughs> but yeah, so anyhow, yeah, feud highly recommended, and it's just if you're a fan of old Hollywood and. And it's almost like I'm a big fan of crime doesn't pay movies. And Mm -hmm. it it just felt like crime doesn't pay movie, even though it's not crime. But it felt like a don't be like these two characters. Life is better not being miserable and combative and feuding with everybody. And you go out and you're like, yep, that's not how to treat people. No, no. And it's it's funny, like. Well, not nothing about it is funny. But one of the things I found interesting was that it was was it, it was Betty Davis that had a daughter, right? And then she had a daughter, but then Joan Crawford always wanted a daughter but didn't have one. But Betty Davis did have a daughter, but they had such a bad relationship based on everything going on. They both had daughters, but they were both like estranged kind of thing. Yeah, and then one was Joan Crawford, I guess, adopted, but then still didn't have a great relationship. And then Betty Davis had grandkids, but then didn't treat them very well and the parents didn't want her around them. So both of them seem to have, it's the old thing of like, you know, hooray for Hollywood, but both of them were just like, Oh my God, you (laughs) you did not have fun lives. No. And they were all, they were both kind of envious of each other in a way. It was kind of the irony of it, but they both were just going through this just trash in their lives, like largely because of powerful white men. But I mean, Hey, that's that's a whole other story. Yeah. And and now I want to watch all these movies. I have seen, Baby Jane, but some of the other ones around that era I haven't seen. Betty Davis seemed to work a lot more. She just kind of took everything. I got to catch up on some of these older movies now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially Trog. I mean, obviously. Especially Trog. <laughs> I remember I seeing the poster like quite a bit, but I, I never did get around to it. And I had your same reaction after watching Feud. I was like, oh, I got to check out Trog. But <laughs> yeah. for some reason, it just, you know, when other legitimate movies get in the way, I kind of forgot. She was also in that episode of night gallery that steven spielberg directed oh yeah i forgot which, that spielberg I, which I haven't seen but i know that he directed an episode of night gallery when he was a young guy mm-hmm. and joan crawford was totally taken aback by how young he was i remember that story yeah yeah it's a fun series i, I watched them all like years back of all things i have that episode possibly two episodes on vhs because i got it at a garage sale it's a night gallery and it has her on the cover and it says directed by Steven Spielberg. So they were really trying to play that up. Yeah, definitely. He, he was like a kid. He was like 23 or something when he did that. Like, yeah, and he was doing TV series. Like he directed an episode of Columbo and, you know, those other like universal series back in the day before he did uh, Duel, and which was a TV movie. And then Sugarland Express with Goldie Hawn. Those two guys, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, I think there's a very interesting alternate career where... Jaws and Star Wars flopped, or even if they didn't flop, even if they just kind of made a little bit of money. And they both went back to doing more movies like American Graffiti and THX or Duel and Sugarland Express and still had fine careers. But it's so interesting. It's just that one pivot. And both Jaws and Star Wars were not movies that people had high hopes for from a lot of people. So I always think about that. If Spielberg went back to doing TV episodes and and Sugarland type movies, and George went back to doing American Graffiti movies, how different everything would be just off of that two different movie output. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, anything could happen. Could have happened. Well, even if he had done, if Lucas ended up actually directing Red Tails like earlier on, like he had wanted <laughs> to. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie, I enjoyed Red Tails. Like, I mean, it's it's a corny Capra-ish throwback type movie, but it's funny. Like, I know he wanted to make that for decades, you know, and. I think Star Wars kind of got in the way, I, like for, I was going to say for better or for worse, but I mean, for better. For, Too bad. <laughs> yeah, but it's just funny, like he must have had so many like little stories like that, that he wanted to tell. And then you're just sort of like, ah, oh, geez, this billion dollar series is getting in the way again. But it's like no complaints from him, I'm sure. Wasn't George supposed to do Apocalypse Now at one point? Yeah. He was going to direct and Coppola produce? <laughs> yeah, I think Jeez. they were going to go to Vietnam and, and make it in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> and try not to get killed man there's a lot going on there like wow i wonder what that would even have been like imagine if it would have just been still a good movie but not crazy <laughs> like george wouldn't have gone <laughs> crazy everybody be fine no nervous breakdowns just a good set man yeah like it just wouldn't have been what it is i mean i can't i don't i don't want to be a jerk and say it wouldn't have been as good but i feel like it wouldn't have been as good <laughs> yeah it's the worst time you have making a movie often the better it turns out because i remember somebody saying that if everybody's having fun if everybody's getting along sometimes at the end you realize that oh we just kind of hung out for six weeks and we didn't really try and focus but if it's really hard then you're really going through the trenches and often that final product ends up being a masterpiece because it almost killed everybody yeah like jaws nobody had fun making jaws yeah. And I mean, and that, and it's funny, like that you sort of bring it up, you know, with Jaws and Star Wars, because just thinking of the amount of just, I don't know, all I can think to say is like bullshit, basically, but that happened behind the scenes with all those with like the special effects and like the stuff not working, like the shark or any of the droids, all that. It's just insane. To, like, there must have been so many times those two young directors must have been like, I'm screwed. Like, this is, this is the end, you know? Oh, yeah. And you think that probably happens a bunch of times every year and we just don't hear the story or it kind of doesn't catch a journalist's interest and there's probably all kinds of really good filmmakers who don't have that lucky bounce in the right direction and just kind of i noticed her name the other day i was watching one of the dc comic shows legends of tomorrow and rachel talaley's name popped up oh yeah and she's done some doctor who and some dc comic stuff but she should have had a big theatrical career, but it was... Like Freddy's Dead? It was Freddy's did, Dead. Yeah, she did Freddy's Dead. <laughs> and just got put in director jail and kind of never bounced back from that, you know? And so Silver Lining, good for her. She's still doing a lot of cool television and stuff. But yeah, there's all kinds of filmmakers out there. I mean, heck, Joe Dante, that kind of happened to him in the end part of his career because small soldiers didn't make enough money. So they, they don't care if you had a hit five movies ago and Rachel Talaley did tank girl and Freddie's dead. And then they're like, well, you're done. Yes. But it's funny though, too, because like that kind of corresponded with TV being on the rise and like now TV is kind of the modern movies in a way. So like, it's kind of funny that she was able to like continue to cut her teeth doing that. And now everybody wants to do TV. <laughs> like... Yeah. Cause clearly at one point there was, a much deeper line in the sand between movies and TV. And 
you were working in TV or you're working in movies. And now with actors, writers, directors, producers, it's a real blur. It just goes back and forth where once it was like you were one or the other. And if you were Henry Winkler, you were the biggest TV star in the world, but movies didn't quite work out. Yeah. And if you were a big movie star and you went to TV, it was maybe an embarrassment and you just had nothing else you could do. But now it's just entertainment now it's just a blur it's funny i didn't actually realize that freddie's dead was her first movie oh wow so she did that then tank girl she did she actually she did ghost in the machine in between which i didn't realize was her actually to be honest but are they doing another tank girl that's a josh question i wouldn't be surprised i actually haven't heard i remember there was some some rumor about a uh an animated tank girl a while ago which i think would be amazing but yeah like now i'm just scrolling through rachel Talaley's credits of the past couple years yeah same and it's all like so she worked on sherlock doctor who sabrina supergirl flash doom patrol american gods it's like so it's all like mm. really cool stuff yeah big stuff and it's it's funny that it looks like i mean apart from a tv version of wind in the willows it basically was a 25 year gap in between movies after she did tank girl the next one she did was in 2020 like that's pretty wild yeah and i think joe dante he's done a bunch of tv and some anthology stuff but i know he's been struggling to really get a couple features off the ground but it's hard it's again like feud i think you get to a certain age even if you're a filmmaker and you're like yep time for the young ones to come in and take over your job yeah it's sad but i have been watching doom patrol and it's fun so i mean shout out to rachel Talaley, i guess i like rachel Talaley. It's fun to say the, her name also, just as a second. Yeah, Talaley. <laughs> any, any, uh, I don't know if I was about to walk over your question, but any recommendations this week? Andrew, do you got one? Yeah, I, I finally got around to watching Fellini's. I got the big Fellini box set from mm. Criterion Collection. I finally got around to watching La Dolce Vita, oh, well. which I really liked. Highbrow. Very highbrow. Yeah, seriously. You're making us look bad. <laughs> I know. Well, we showed eight and a half a while back. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, this is a silly thing to say, but eight and a half is so good. Oh my God. I was so glad to get to see it on the big screen. That's why it feels funny for Andrew to be like, oh, this Fellini <laughs> movie is so good. I was like, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's shocking. Finally saw Exorcism of Emily Rose speaking of Scott Derrickson. That was very good, as everyone's been saying for years. But also uh, one that I've never seen, which I thought I had, was uh, Horror Express, which was fantastic. Oh, that's with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing? Yeah, and it was like right after Peter Cushing's wife died, and which he never got over. And I guess he almost walked and Christopher Lee convinced him to stay by like reminding him of their past movies and by sleeping in the same bed as him to keep away the night terrors. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were like really close friends. Yeah, that's a sweet like dude bro thing to do. <laughs> He's like, I got you. I'll sleep in the bed with you, keep you from the nightmares. But like it was fantastic. I didn't realize it was actually an adaptation of Who Goes There that the thing was adapted from. Oh, cool. Which makes perfect sense after seeing the movie. But I actually, this is heresy, but I actually think I liked it better than The Thing. Which isn't to say The Thing is bad. Like, it's great. But I was just so, I thought it would be really dry. I was thinking 60s, Christopher Lee, not 70s. And, and it was like, it was cool. Really cool creature design. And I love those two guys. I'll watch anything with those two in it. Oh, it was so, it was so good. And Telly Savalas is in it for like 15 <laughs> minutes. So it's like, why not? Sure. When I was in the UK, I got a Blu-ray of a movie called Beat Girl from like, 1960 or something and it's oliver reed's first movie oh nice but it's like a juvenile well this young girl this young kind of wayward girl getting mixed up with some sketchy people <laughs> like teenage mother yeah yeah a little classier <laughs> and more british though and christopher lee is in it 
as this really sleazy nightclub owner. So it's kind of interesting seeing him in, in a totally different non-horror role. Yeah, that sounds amazing. It's easy to forget how great of an actor he was. No, for sure. Josh, what do you got? I watched a movie called The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Oh, yeah. It's directed by Jim Cummings. Gwen and I stumbled on his movie Thunder Road a couple years ago because we were in Philadelphia and there was a film festival. And so we ended up going to see a couple shows. And I love Thunder Road. And The Wolf of Snow Hollow is definitely that same genre. It's very Coen Brothers almost. It's the dumb guy hero in a very stressful situation. And there's moments of laugh out loud funny and moments of terror or like real suspense and so this is a small town murder mystery in which the murderer may or may not be a werewolf jim cummings is the central character and he's the director as well and then ricky lindholm who was recently in knives out and she's in the excellent comedy duo garfunkel and oats she's in it yeah they're really funny and Robert Forrester, the late, great Robert Forrester. This mm. might have been his last movie or near last. He's one of those guys who works so much that he might have another three after this. But he plays the the main character's dad, who's a, an elderly sheriff who still wants to be the young buck, but is feeling his age. And it's a cool, like, almost horror movie, werewolf movie. And, and just that weird genre of super funny and really sad and if you're not familiar with jim cummings other movie it's very coen brothers-esque but yeah i really like it a lot looking forward to him doing more stuff but uh yeah so it looks like we're almost out of time so we'll wrap things up i will quickly mention that a group of lovely loyal mayfair patrons are organizing an event this upcoming weekend of may 16th and 17th they're called the ottawa songwriters uplifting the mayfair and you can find information on all of our social media and website and they're just putting on a couple of online concerts that you could check out and raising us a few bucks for the mayfair nice nice so thanks for listening everybody find information on instagram twitter facebook and on mayfairtheater.ca we'll be back next week and we look forward to hopefully having good news of getting back into the mayfair thanks everybody see you later bye Oh, another week where we didn't talk about the oscars did they really happen i could only watch five minutes of it it was so bad <laughs> That's not nice to say. It's because it wasn't at the Mayfair. Take that, Oscars. Yeah, we crushed them. Another week of ignoring the biggest awards. Mattel introduces the Battlestar Galactica Collection. You can imagine the colonial warrior against the evil Cylon Centurions. Cylon Centurions ready. Check. Activate eye scanner, energized pulsator, aim laser pistol. On target. Colonial warrior changing scanner to laser. Get it. Right. Each figure sold separately. Batteries not included. Cylon Centurion and Colonial Warrior from the Battlestar Galactica Collection. New from Mattel. Mattel introduces the Battlestar Galactica Collection. You can imagine the world of Battlestar Galactica, where the Cylon Raider meets the Colonial Viper starship you assemble. Colonial Viper pilot ready for takeoff. Cylons approaching. Check stabilizers. Load laser torpedo. Cylon Raider missile base open. Cylon Raider launch. Colonial Viper launch. Colonial Viper and Cylon Raider vehicles from the Battlestar Galactica collection, each sold separately. New from Mattel.